Welcome to Street Smart Success. This is Roger Becker, your host. When you have extra things that don't fit in your home, self-storage is a perfect solution. When you have a car to store or an RV or boat, what do you do then? Carmelo Menino, CEO of Stowit, has the solution. Stowit is becoming the Airbnb for things on wheels. Stowit finds hosts who have extra space available and matches them with customers looking for a space to store their vehicle. It's a brilliant win for hosts who generate extra cash and for customers who don't have a place to store their vehicle. So today we have with us a fascinating, I will say young man because most men are young compared to me, but not only does he have a very interesting and unique business model that's different from most of the other people that I speak to, but he is definitely the only person, only one that has been a, not only contestant, but winner on Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) So (laughs) interesting cat. Yeah. Chief growth officer of Stow It. He is Carmelo Menino. Carmelo, welcome to Street Smart Success. Thank you for having me, Roger. Yes, I uh, I always recommend being on a game show to, to everyone. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of negatives. How do you get on a game show? You well, first thing to do is is watch the game show. You know, find one you want to be on there because the amounts you can win on game show is totally different. And then you apply online. Then you have to go in person and you have to basically audition. So if you can imagine for Wheel of Fortune, my wife and I went and auditioned together and they would literally call on you and say, you know, call out letters and, and you'd say S, you know, T. You know, <laughs> How excited are you? Are you going to be good on TV? I think is what they're really looking for. And then you take one little quiz to show, you know, maybe how smart you are at solving word puzzles. And then you're put in this pool of applicants if they like you. They called us almost a year after we had done this audition and said, hey, you've got two weeks. Can you be in Culver City, California at this hotel at 6 a.m.? Send us your social security cards and your marriage certificate within the next 48 hours. We said, we'll, we'll be there. You know, we, we sent it all. We, we flew out. We got the hotel, got picked up in a you know, stretch limo that day with, with 40 other contestants, um, went and ha- had an amazing time. We ended up doing really, really well. We were the 2020 Valentine's Day couple. Uh, we won that show. We ended up winning uh, some cash, a trip to Hawaii, and a car. So it was uh, 100% worth it. You know, we ended up selling the car. We ended up, you know, they don't tell you, but you pay 40 to 50% tax on all those winnings. But still, a, a really solid day's work. <laughs> you know what I love about it? Like, like how many people would sell the car other than like a, an entrepreneur? <laughs> That's like he <laughs> sold the car. What kind of car was it? It was a Jaguar SUV. And it didn't have four-wheel drive. And we're out here in, in Colorado. So that was kind of a, a bit of a deal breaker for us. That's what would you sell the car for? We bought it for, we ended up selling it at, at an auction for about 30K or so. So we, we definitely, you know, took a hit, even though we had never taken it off the lot. And then we got a RAV4. I see. So. Got it. Why did you have to get there at 6 a.m.? Like when, do, when, does, it, when does the show actually record? Well, you do, you do training that full day and makeup, um, you know, they, they've got to prove your outfits. Uh, so you train for, from six to noon 
And then they record about anywhere from five to eight episodes from noon to about 8 p.m. And it goes fast. I mean, when you're actually up there, the actual recording only takes about 25 minutes. So it is pretty much real time of, of what you're watching besides the commercial breaks. Uh, it's just kind of that training beforehand to make sure everybody knows all the rules, is, is speaking loudly and clearly, knows how to spin the wheel. Uh, <laughs> you know, little things that, that, that look very easy, but no one's, no one's ever done before. Wow. You know, that show to me, and I don't watch it frequently by any stretch. I kind of watch that show once in a blue moon while I'm eating and I eat fast. So I never even see a whole episode. But the times I have watched it, I'm like, I am very challenged by it. So my hat is off to you. Well, here, here's my question. You are there in the, to switch gears here. You're in Fort Collins. I know that your business is uh, looks like it's centered in that area, although we'll get to that in a bit. There are some other markets at the bottom of the website, so I'll ask you about that. But are you a, a Colorado native? Nope, nope. I, uh, not native. I'm originally from, from Tennessee. Grew up in Memphis, went to school in Knoxville, started a restaurant in Chattanooga, decided that was not what I wanted to do. Moved out to Colorado, got my MBA at, at CSU in a, a program called The Good MBA. It's kind of triple bottom line focused, a, a kind of a unique program. You know, we studied companies like Whole Foods, Patagonia's, People Planet, you know, Profit, all, all those things. And then from that, kind of found myself into with show it about two years after I graduated. What does triple bottom line mean? So triple bottom line is, is a phrase to kind of classify companies that care about people, profit and planet. Uh, the thesis is that, you know, your company can do good for the world and good for shareholders as well. I got that. Okay. Wow. And you're from Memphis. Are you from Germantown? I am from Germantown. I, uh, well, I grew up in Memphis for about 12 years, moved out to Germantown for the end of middle school and high school. And then my parents moved back to Memphis and, and now they've, they've migrated out to Colorado as well. I see. Did they migrate out there because you're out there? My sister was out here first and we kind of did a full family migration. They came out and then I, I was kind of the last one. Do you like it there better than Memphis? I do. Yeah. I mean, it's just, um, there's no humidity here, which is amazing first. And then, you know, mountains pretty adventurous in, in terms of hike. Well, I used to be, I have two little girls, but before that we used to hike a lot, um, and go snowboarding, skiing, mountain climbing, uh, mountain biking, you know, all, all the typical Colorado things are, are kind of what we enjoy. Got it. Well, and you got a lot of people that feel the same way. The mountain West is, you know, booming as, as you know. And yeah. Well, with, um, and, and so your chief growth officer at Stoit, what a, what a fascinating model that makes so much sense. It seems like it's just, Hey, I'm, I'm some guy with an RV. I have nowhere to <laughs> stow it. And you connect me. It's, it's almost, it feels like it's like an Airbnb for, you know, for RVs and boats and semi yeah. trucks. And is that essentially the model? That's exactly it. And and it, it was me and, and two brothers that started it. And I guess I'm, you know, we're, we're pretty loose with titles, but I guess I'm CEO and one of the co-founders. But I, I used to be chief. That was my first one, chief growth officer that we called ourselves. And so, yeah, we are like an Airbnb for vehicle storage is how you can think of us. We work with 
individuals that have vacant real estate. We work with companies doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year that have vacant real estate in, in parking garages or parking lots or self-storage facilities. And then we help individuals and companies store really anything on wheels, what we, we say. So you can think cars, boats on trailers, RVs, campers, all the way up to semi-trucks. This is just ingenious. And when did you found it? We launched the website in January 2017, and we were doing everything. We, we were doing, you know, basement storage, spare bedroom. You could rent out your closet. You, you could do that. And that part of the business went terrible. We, <laughs> if you can imagine. Um, so, so before that, the company was run on a Google Drive sheet, literally just connecting people for what we called short-term basement storage. So if you can imagine your buddy moves in 20 boxes into your basement for five days, you know, you're going to have to be there. You're going to help end up helping them. You're going to make 15 bucks. And then five days later, you're going to have to help them move out. Uh, so it was not not really a win-win for anyone. So we kind of looked at what was working in our business in 2017 and decided to just focus on the niche of vehicle storage. So by late 2018, we had rebranded and just started our focus on vehicle storage. We don't store any household goods or, or stuff. It's just anything on wheels. Wow. It's just like, it's one of those things where I go, why didn't I think of that? You know, it's one, yeah. it's, it's one of those ideas. How do people find you? So how do people get to the website? I guess, yeah, that's my first question. Both people that have the excess space for storage and then also the retail person that needs to store something on wheels. Right. That I mean, that's the hard part, right? The, the technology isn't what stops most businesses uh, in terms of building this or doing this. The hard part, you know, you, you can build another Uber tomorrow, but you can't go become what Uber is. Uh, so the hard part is finding, we call them uh, host and renters, host being the, the property owners. You know, that, that's really a grind. And when we go to each new market, it's about building up that network of property owners. You know, we look for markets that, that have, uh, that get rural very quickly. So if you can look at like Denver, you know, you can drive 15, 20 minutes from the city center and you can see farms. And we really like markets like that. So we go after a lot of corporate partners. We go after warehouses. We go after farmers. We go after individuals that have one car garages. So, you know, we're always on things like Craigslist. We're doing sales calls. We're doing uh, just, just a wide array of advertising to meet those property owners. That's kind of the hard side of the marketplace. Uh, with the renters, you know, most storage uh, storage is, is this old school, unsexy industry. You know, uh, a quarter of the industry still runs on cash. Forty uh, percent of all renters walk into a place and still book. But the other part of the renters, they really go to Google and they search, you know, vehicle storage near me. So it's about having really good SEO, using some of Google ads, getting the renters to your site first, and then having the options for them to where any renter can come to our site. And our goal is they can find a driveway, they can find a farm, they can find a, a barn, a one-car garage, or they can find a storage facility. So we'll have something for everybody that comes to our site. Okay, so quick question, because I come out of the media background, just out of curiosity. Yeah just a, a side data point. How much do you guys spend on, on Google ads? We, uh, we throttle that a lot. Um, 
you know, anywhere from five to 20,000 in, in a market uh, per month is not weird for us, but it, it really depends on what type of storage we're talking about. So we still, it breaks into kind of three pillars. We have our peer-to-peer, which is individuals running from individuals. Then we have kind of our semi and what we call traditional storage, which is individuals renting more from companies that are like storage facilities. And then we have airports. So we're one of the largest providers in the country of of long-term airport storage. So if you can imagine, Roger, let's say you had a house in Vail, Colorado, and you're going to come out to DIA every month. With our service, you could leave a car at DIA for about $110 a month and have 24-7 shuttle service to and from that car whenever you want needed it. So in that case, with the airport, you obviously identified that they had excess, well, I'm assuming, excess space. You conned, you're smart enough to see that, contacted them, and then you just need to run the logistics of it and do some type of a, you know, pay them a percentage, or how does that work? Exactly, yeah, so we... We facilitate the transactions on an ongoing basis. We have a recurring revenue model. So we essentially can can partner with an airport. It's usually offsite airport parking provider. And our small team will essentially run and manage their entire monthly program. You know, they're, they're worried about the ticketing. They're worried about the daily renters. That's where they're going to make 90% of their money. But if they've got excess inventory and you think about something like when COVID happened, you know, the airport parking lots went from, you know, from 100 to zero. Uh, real quick. So they were looking for additional revenue streams. So that was when we reached out and said, hey, we can build you a monthly program. It's a lot more consistent. It's pretty predictable revenue that's going to come in uh, and we will manage the entire program for you. Wow. And then how many employees, how does that work? Are these people that, the the people that that handle that on the ground, are they full-time employees or what does that look like? Most of it is, is our software. So we've custom built uh, everything in-house to to remain really lean. I mean, we have, you know, depending how you slice slice the apple in terms of contractors versus employees, we're somewhere between four and 10. Uh, so we're still pretty small on, on that side of the business because we've custom built all of our software. Almost everything is automated with us. You know, we're really uh, almost more of a marketing company than we are, you know, a, a software in that sense. Is there, is there, uh, Carmelo, anybody that's doing what you're doing the way you're doing it? Uh, there's no one that touches all the niches we do. There is, uh, you know, there's a company that focuses on long-term semi-storage that we compete with. There's another one that focuses on the peer-to-peer side. Uh, there's a lot of companies in the parking space, but most of them don't focus on long-term parking. So, there, I wouldn't say there's a, a company that um, has all of our product offerings, but in each one of our product offerings, you know, if you think about RV storage, there's plenty of companies out there doing RV storage, which will be a substitute good for the consumer. I see. So nobody's doing everything. And then which uh, line is your biggest, biggest line? Is, is, it, is it cars? Is it RVs? So it's the, it's the peer-to-peer market is the biggest. You know, individuals, we, we call them either, either farmers or, or a lot of times they're college students or... or retired individuals that have a two-car garage and one car in there, that's kind of our biggest, um, that's where the majority of our revenue comes from is that peer-to-peer marketplace. Hey, Street Smart listeners, I'd like to introduce a great partner for you. 
As you know, insurance is one of the biggest expenses on the P&L. That's why I'm recommending Assured Partners. Assured Partners helps you lower risk and therefore can save you tons of money down the road. They insure over 2 million market rate and affordable units and are the sixth largest insurance property broker in the U.S. If you want a roll-your-sleeves-up partner that blankets you with service, give Robert Band, vice president, a call. Robert thinks like a CFO because he was a CFO for many years. Give Robert a call now at 305-467-5909. You'll be glad you did. Is it mostly out of those, out of the peer-to-peer, is it mostly RVs, cars, boats? You know, no. like Yeah. Yeah, so it's mainly cars. It, it ends up breaking up to about 50% of our business's cars. 30% is the RVs and boats and campers. And then 20% is semis, 75 foot truck and trailer. Um, that's a super underserved market, you know, 1.5 million drivers and at any given time, 500,000 parking spots for them. That is really amazing. So, so I mean, in, in terms of your, like you said, you know, you're doing, you know, you're doing Google and you're saying you're actually doing sales. But I can't imagine in, in sales, in my old school view is like guys, you know, sending out emails, picking phone the phone up. I can't imagine it's that peer-to-peer or is it? Well, I am picking up the phone a good bit. You know, it's, it's definitely a tool we use on a daily basis. But you're right. You can't call someone with a one-car garage. And, you know, the lifetime value is not there and it's hard to know, right? I mean, whose garage is empty, whose garage is full? Uh, so we do a lot of content marketing. We try to be a resource. If you think about this market, right? When, when Airbnb first started, most people had never rented out their spare bedroom. It's the same with this. When, when you know, this market is just in its infancy and when most people rent out their barn or their land, they've never done this before. Or maybe they've done it once with a buddy and that kind of inspired them to say, hey, I wonder how much I could make doing this. So we really try to be a resource and give them not only the tools and the knowledge through, through the content we make, but also the software they need uh, to you know, go from one renter to 10 renters pretty seamlessly. You know, our, our, our goal is to pay people's mortgages. It, it's not just to make them an extra 100 bucks. Uh, you know, we've got plenty of people that are making between one and $4,000 a month using their land, using their barn with us. Um, and, and once you get up to that level, it's serious income, but you don't want it to be your full-time job. And we, we give them the tools to where they can still make all the money, but not have to spend the time and the headache doing things like collecting payments or finding new renters or evictions. You know, we take care of that for them. Interesting. So if I'm somebody in Denver, now this is, I'm, I'm the customer now and I'm in Denver and I live, uh, you know, yeah. close to the city or one of those super cool neighborhoods. And, you know, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a car nut or whatever. So I go buy a second car, but nowhere to put it. Is that who we're talking about? That's definitely one of our, uh, one of our markets. Yeah. Um, additional cars, you know, if, if you've got an HOA, let's say, and, and you bought a camper, well, you know, as everyone did last year, you know, camper and RV sales are almost at an all time high. So let's say you bought one of those and you've got an HOA, you've got to put that somewhere. Or if you've got an extra car and you have an apartment and you can't park it, you've got to put that somewhere. So you've got to find uh, a solution. And that's where Stoic comes in. You know, we can help you find an individual or a company nearby 
um, that's close, that's safe, where you can have a friendly relationship with them, build trust, uh, and have a safe place for your vehicle. So here's a simple question. Um, you said the peer-to-peer is the is the biggest segment. Um, and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, if I just had to guess, you know, because I have no, because I don't know, which is true, I don't know. So I, I am guessing is, although I'm not guessing because you already told me the answer to this, but if you hadn't, I would have thought it would be more peer-to-company because I would think, you know, like you said, the, the you'd have a you'd be more likely it would be bigger that you'd have a company that could that could fit I don't know fifty cars, let's say, uh, out there, and it would be like just found you know found money yeah. for them than just somebody with that one extra space. Why mm-hmm. is that not the case? Well, if you think let's let's say you're in a suburb of Denver called called Brighton. If you think about Brighton, there's not that many companies that still have availability. Most self-storage facilities in this country stay at about 95 to 100% occupancy. So if you call the storage facilities there, they're going to say, hey, we're full. Let's put you on a wait list. Whereas we might have four or five different farmers in that area that have available, uh, you know, immediately available. So you can book from them. And not only that, but when you book from a company, you know, you're one of four or 500 people at their lot. When you book from one of our hosts there, you'll know, say a guy named Mark, you know, he might have seven or eight other vehicles, a gated property, you know, uh, some security on site. He lives on site. So you also feel like, hey, this this is a very safe environment. It's not somewhere where there's just uh, two, three hundred people here and I'm just treated like another, you know, cog in the chain. I'm an individual that rents from this, this other individual and we have the, we build this trust. I see. I, I guess where you want to get to, which is what Airbnb has, obviously, to, to your point earlier, is they've got such incredible market awareness, of course, you know, a dozen years later from whenever they started, that now there's a whole industry around it where from an investor perspective. So I guess where you want to get is guys going, I'm going to buy farmland and convert it into storage for vehicles and, and then have you be the name brand, the national brand that, that drives this whole thing. Is that kind of ultimately what would be where you'd want to get to? Absolutely. We, we love that strategy. Um, you know, really, however, you can get the properties, you know, we we see real estate companies, you know, if you look at like malls, right? Something that's kind of failing in this country, every mall has a giant parking lot outside of it, you know, that they can fence off and, and create storage. It's the same thing that we've kind of done with some parking garages. When, when COVID hit, you know, every parking garage was empty. And a lot of those garages, they're not coming back to full occupancy because so many people are working remote. So if their whole fourth floor is empty, they can work with us and, and we can start filling that with kind of long-term storage tenants. So we're really taking this underutilized vacant real estate, however we can get it, whether it's, it's like I said, farmland, a one-car garage or a parking garage with 500 spaces and being the middleman marketplace that matches it with all the individuals that need vehicle storage. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, that is clean as a whistle. So have you or are, do you anticipate in the future uh, raising money for this? Yeah. So we've raised about 800000 from friends and family. Um, most of that has actually come from our users. So our property owners that have started using us, they're either involved usually in real estate, parking, or self-storage. And they really get the concept. They see that this is going to be a big part of the market. 
and they've invested in us. You know, if you, if you look at storage, it's a super fragmented market. Um, the largest player is public storage. They own 7% and their market cap's $55 billion. So there's still a lot of consolidation that can happen in this industry. So right now we are looking to raise, to start scaling market by market. We've built Denver up into a, to a, to a several hundred thousand dollars a month in terms of our, our GMV and what we're processing. We think we can do that throughout the United States. Over the next two years, we wanna open about 15 more markets. It'll 10X our business. It'll start getting us a real national footprint. So to do that, we're looking to raise 2.5 million right now. It's kind of our first foray into uh, institutional money. We've been fortunate and raised just from, you know, angels, well-connected individuals right now. Um, but we know that, you know, we, we need the capital to take kind of what we have as our turnkey model in Colorado and expand that throughout the country. I see. Was the 800 grand that you've raised thus far, how much of that was for software? Like where, where did that money go? A lot of it went to figuring out the marketing piece, you know, finding, finding those property owners, finding the partnerships that we have. That's where the majority of the money went. You know, we do almost all of our development in-house. We do it. We do a one outsource developer. So that's definitely a cost that, that we do incur. But I mean, most of it was, you know, that was over the course of five years. So a lot of it just was, you know, to, to keep, keep the lights on, keep, keep us as full-time employees. Um, when we started the first two years, you know, we were, we were very part-time. And so kind of this money allowed us to go full-time, figure out the marketing, accelerate our growth. Um, and now, you know, the, the larger capital round is going to allow us to expand, hire, you know, some key people, some key initial team members, and take advantage of a lot of the marketing opportunities that have worked in Colorado that we think will work market by market across the country. Uh, but of course, they, some of them just cost money. Jeez. Are you in any other markets yet? Or are you, uh, this is something you're going to do next year? Well, we, so we have airport, long-term airport parking, about 25 airports around the country. And then we have semi parking in about 20 different cities around the country. So those are kind of how we've initially expanded because they are kind of niche markets within uh, the larger storage market. So we are currently expanding to Dallas. Dallas Fort Worth is kind of our second city. You know, what we've been able to do there this year, what took us six months to get to in Dallas Fort Worth took us 18 months to get to in Denver. So expansion is going really well. We are uh, seeing it's much faster. We're able to kind of pull on the levers that, that we know work uh, and they're working in that market as well. So our goal is to continue to build up that market and then we've identified five or six other markets that, that we think could be really large markets. You know, what, what we look for is a city like, um, say, like Atlanta, where you've got really rising housing prices um, and you've got rural communities right outside of Atlanta that you can be in within 30 minutes. You know, for us, a market like New York there's just not the space in terms of the property owners. You're just not going to find the farmers or, or, you know, vacant parking lots because there's so much demand there and just not enough supply. So we have to go into a market where there is land, there is vacant real estate, and we can turn that into supply. So to be, to be a devil's advocate, Carmel, is Atlanta, Denver, Nashville, you know, you name it. Those markets are just going out and out and out. At some point, does the farmland go away? 
I, you know, I don't know. I think it just keeps expanding out because as those markets go out, if you look at like, you know, the new Nashville neighborhoods they're building, they're all HOA. You can't have an RV there. You can't have more than two or three cars in your driveway. So there's really creating this problem. Self-storage, especially vehicle storage, is really a kind of a black swan industry. Nobody likes it. You know, county officials don't want people to build vehicle storage because it doesn't bring in a lot of money into the community. And then HOAs don't want you to have an RV on your driveway. Uh, so it's really a struggle for people to find a place to store their vehicles. So I think it just continues expanding out. You know, what we kind of say is price trumps location, especially if you don't need a lot of access. So if you can imagine you're, if you've got a camper, Roger, and, and it's the winter time in Minneapolis, you're probably not going to use that thing very often. You know, you're probably going to drop it off and eight months later, pick it up again. So you're okay driving 45 minutes for a great deal because you only have to make that trip once or twice. So the converse is true of, of what my, what I pot, what I um, postulated, whereas it's really creating the demand is what you're saying is that growth. And, and so that's very, very interesting on the airport business. Is that just cold calling and trying to find out the right person to even deal with, with that piece of their business? Yeah. It, and, and, you know, during COVID, it was a little bit easier because <laughs> everybody was looking, you know, a lot of these companies uh, hired someone, you know, what they call kind of, you know, uh, uh, director of other revenue or something like that. Right. So, so when parking, you know, they went from, from zero, from a hundred to zero overnight, basically um, in March and April of 2020, you know, they needed an additional revenue source. And, and that's when some of them reached out to us. We reached out to some of them. Um, we're continuing to grow that business. You know, we're at 24 airports around the country. We still have a few major airports we, we need to get to and, and find a partner there. That's the hardest part there is finding the partner. Finding the demand in those areas, there's a lot of demand. You know, you think about people that are either going to Europe for a month or two months or people that work or, you know, even flight attendants and pilots that come to the airport nonstop. You know, they want a monthly rate. They don't want the, to have to pay the daily rate over the course of 30, 40 days. To circle back to that, I'm just going to embarrass myself. I'm going to embarrass myself by asking a question that you've already made perfectly clear the answer, but I'm just, for the heck of it, it's my show. I can I can look like an idiot. So basically the value add that you're providing to these airports, they don't or did not have monthly. It's a, They just had daily, like you said, They made, that's where they make 90%, but you're just coming to them going, hey, you're leaving all this on the table. Is it as simple as that, that you're, you're figuring out a, a longer term rental? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these a lot of these airport facilities were built, you know, in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. And this is a time before Uber, before, you know, Lyft, before shuttles, uh, before maybe a light rail system. So a lot of their daily business is gone now. Uh, so if you've got if you're an airport operator and you've got any vacancies, you know, we can fill that with a pretty predictable revenue stream in terms of the uh, the long-term parkers. Most of these airport lots fill up twice a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and they fill up for one to two weeks at a time. So it's really worth taking those hundred vacant spots, filling them with a long-term renter. You're going to make more money than just waiting on those spots to be filled two weekends a year. So they didn't have different rates for long-term prior to you kind of coming to them and solving this problem. 
Correct. Uh, a okay. lot of them don't. Um, they just, it's not a program that they've offered. Their software is not set up for that. You know, their accounting processes aren't set up for that. So that's why we really take it off of their plate. So, you know, we send them a, a, a check or a payment at the end of every month with a detailed report saying, here's who's parked there. Here's the make model year of their car. Here's the dates they paid through. Um, yeah, and then we work out how the access works. It's, it's a little different. We're very flexible on that so that, you know, they tell us how to do it one time and they don't have to hire anybody for this. They don't have to really even train their staff in a lot of cases. Um, it's really just runs in the background. Really just ingenious. Who would think of stuff like that? You, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, you throw a lot of, I always say we, we throw spaghetti against the wall all the time and, and see what sticks. I mean, I'm, I'm very Italian, so maybe that's uh, my, <laughs> my phrase, but uh, that was just one of those. <laughs> well, will you continue doing the, the Google ads? Does that pencil out for you? Because I know content marketing is on an on a acquisition basis of new customers. It probably costs less or is it something you feel you kind of going to have to do both? Well, I, I'm a firm believer in, in kind of what's called the law of, of shitty click-throughs. <laughs> and, you know, that says that every marketing channel gets worse over time. Um, and we see that with Google and, in, in, you know, crowded markets as well. You have to pay more cost per click. You know, there, there's less great candidates out there. So, you know, it, it will shift. I mean, that's the hard part of, of our business is, is finding the property owners, finding the renters, connecting them. We're at an advantage in that once we build a network like in Denver, we can use a lot of our property owners uh, to find other property owners and use some of our renters to help us find other renters. And we see a crossover as well. So if you have an RV and you rent with us, you might also be traveling to Europe this summer for 30, 40 days, and you might rent an airport spot with us. Uh, so us being in kind of these different niches, we do see some crossover, but we will have to, you know, constantly find new marketing channels, you know, similar to, you know, Uber uses a hundred different marketing channels, right? And then different ones in different cities will have that problem and that struggle as well. It'll just be something for us to figure out market by market. Is, uh, if you guys tested uh, TikTok, would that work for your, for what you're doing? We've, we've tried a little, we haven't done a ton of influencer marketing. I think it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely on our radar. How about Facebook? We've tried a lot of stuff with Facebook, um, from, from ads to remarketing to posting to Facebook videos. It is, it's not bad. It's good. It's actually a little bit better than Google um, on some of the renter sides if it's very targeted. You know, it's, it's hard because it's, um, you can't show an ad to somebody that has an RV and expect them to remember you, right? At the end of the day, they're going to go to Google when they need storage and they're going to search RV storage near me. And that's going to be the majority of the customers. But it is about getting to them before building that brand awareness. So some of that advertising, you know, we just can't measure. Um, but getting the brand awareness in a market, building that trust so that instead of searching on Google, they just go to stow it. Are you the guy at the company that's in charge of all the marketing? I oversee it. Um, we have a, a great employee that's been with us now a few years named Emily. And um, she handles creating a, a, a lot of that. But I mean, it's really a team effort. Our, our CTO, Dylan, he does a lot of the design work uh, for us still, or we outsource that. So 
Um, it, it is a cross-functional team. You know, in my mind, everything is marketing and sales. Um, even when you're building software, it's about how easy is this for the consumer? Are they going to tell other consumers and, and market our product for us? So marketing is something that, that we do throughout the organization, regardless of your position. Scrappy company and um, my goodness, entrepreneurial is all get out. On the airports, are you dealing with like the biggest airports in in the metros like like you said is this like dfw is is this the the big or are these small no they, they must be right i was gonna say or the smaller area every every market or every big market has like satellite airports where people own planes but no you're, you're dealing with the big central airports correct yeah i think we deal i think we do business seven out of the 10 largest and then you know, probably 24 out of the 30 largest. I mean, they're major market ones. Yeah. The second tier markets have, have a little less, you know, travelers, but, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth is, is a huge airport, DIA, Hartsville, Jackson, and Atlanta. I mean, those are the ones we're kind of targeting. Um, we still have to get to a few airports. Like we're still looking for a partner at O'Hare. Um, we know that market would do really well. You know, it's just um, haven't found one there yet. But we are working at, at the major airports. We'll work, we'll work at any airport, really. And, and it's really low risk because we don't charge a monthly fee. We only make money when they're making money. So in a worst case scenario, you know, let's say Wichita, Kansas airport, a parking operator signs up with us. You know, we don't bring them anyone. You know, sh- shame on us for not doing our job, but it's not costing them any money. Simple enough. My, my goodness. Uh, I, I, again, <laughs> it's not a hard business Yeah, it's, it's an easy business to concept, hard business to execute. execute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of two businesses in each market. We've got to have the owners and the renters. As the market awareness increases over time, uh, I think that there's going to be an inflection point and in where the wind is going to be at your back. So that would be my sense. How would somebody, you know, find out more about the company? Uh, just go to the website. What, what would you suggest, Carmelo? Yeah, I'd say stowit.com. You know, if, if you want to be a property owner from the top, click uh, list my space or become a host. You know, there's so much information on there. A huge FAQ section. Um, you can call us at 844-478-6948. We, we are a human company, you know, when you call us, you're, you're going to get uh, a human answering the phone, helping you out. Uh, we're very customer service oriented. Um, so you can call us like that. We, we always uh, want to help people feel comfortable and give them the know-how on, on how to make money from their properties. And then if you're looking to rent a space, go to stoic.com and, and you can search by your zip code. You can search by your address. You can search by your city and it'll show you everything we have there in that area. You know, a lot of our spots are, are, are concentrated to a few cities right now, but over the coming years, you know, we're going to have uh, hundreds of spots in, in every city and every state. Fantastic. Well, Carmelo, I I really, really appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, look, I get why you won on Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) Well, I like to say it's that show is half luck. You know, it's half skill, half luck. So um, it gives anybody a chance. We got lucky a few times and then there's there's one or two where there was some skill. You got to watch it, I think, and and see us on the final puzzle. That one that one was a a skill one. We practiced a lot. (laughs) You bring and now that you have two two little girls, you probably don't have as much time would be my guess. But but you bring the average age of the 
viewer of that show down by about 50 years, by the way. <laughs> oh, you know, my wife used to watch it every, when she was growing up eating dinner and we would do the same. And it was always something we joked about because most of our friends, you know, had I'm, I'm in my in my early 30s. Most of my friends had not seen Wheel of Fortune. You know, they still ask me, uh, oh, is that the one with Drew Carey? Um, right. <laughs> it's the prices, right? And, uh, you know, we always laughed about it. And that was one reason why we applied. We thought, you know, we watch this show. We know this show. We're probably going to be some of the younger people at the audition. <laughs> Look, the, a- the average viewer to ABC, to the network, to the ABC network period is is got to be... Over and I'm and I'm hedging myself on the low side. I'm going to say average over 55 years old, and it's probably over 65. Anyway. I think for, the, for that hour, for the Jeopardy Wheel of Fortune hour, you're you're probably definitely right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Continued good luck, but you know, my first sales manager used to say to me, "Luck has nothing to do with it," but it, it kind of does. <laughs> you know. We've been lucky a few times. You, you still have to have a great business, great product, and provide a great service. Luck helps you can put your foot in the door. Yeah, it does. Well, listen, I very, very much appreciate it. And uh, you are going to be phenomenally successful. You already are, but you're going to continue to be even more successful. And it's been a fantastic interview. Perfect, Roger. Well, thank you so much for for having me on. Thanks for listening. And all all the best to you all as well. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Roger. Bye-bye.